The time of trouble culminates in a great battle for Jerusalem, before the skies split apart to reveal the king coming to save his city. On the Bible Brief. Don't miss the final days of our matching grant. Your giving can go double the distance if you give before midnight on December 31st. Go to BibleLit.org to support this ministry and join the effort to teach the world the life-changing story and message of the Bible. The Prophet Isaiah crying out to God at around 700 B.C. Oh, that you would tear the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. The scene in heaven was not like the tribulation upon the earth. In fact, it was a scene of utter contrast to the devastation experienced by the planet during those seven years of Jacob's trouble. Because in heaven, the victory of God is being established, and the rights of the Lamb of God are being exercised. The prophet John had not only been granted to see this future devastation upon the earth, but he'd also been granted a view into heaven during this time period. A view that established the meaning behind the utter calamities that were coming upon all nations. John looked, and he saw a magnificent, glorious figure seated upon a throne, holding a scroll in his right hand. A scroll with seven seals. John recorded the scene like this. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw a lamb standing, as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. 
and the elders fell down in worship. John is witnessing something in heaven that can only be understood as the veneration of the Lamb of God. Jesus, here described as a lamb standing as though slain with seven horns and seven eyes, doesn't seem like the Jesus we saw in Galilee during his earthly ministry. Instead, we see a picture of Jesus packed with meaning. One who sees all with seven eyes, and one who rules over all with seven horns. One who, by virtue of his blood shed on the cross, ransomed people for God from among all the nations. The question of the scene is simple. Who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the scroll? Who is worthy to take what the Father holds in his hands? And the answer of the scene is equally simple. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy are you to take the scroll. Worthy are you to open the seven seals upon it. Worthy are you to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Soon, John sees the Lamb open the first seal on the scroll an action that's reflected on the earth with calamity. Each broken seal on the scroll brings devastation and suffering on the earth. War, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, and more. With the first broken seal of the scroll, the tribulation begins to last seven years. The seven-sealed scroll is open before seven trumpets sound. And finally, seven bowls of God's wrath are poured upon the earth. For seven years, the righteous and terrifying wrath of God is experienced by earth's inhabitants. And while this wrath is happening, the political situation on the planet is fraught with fear, desperation, and loathing. The rebellious inhabitants of the earth begin to follow the ultimate Satan-empowered Antichrist. And he even apparently fakes his own death to deceive the nations into belief in his own resurrection. In the midst of the tumult of the earth, this man consolidates power along with religious and political counterparts. And eventually, this Antichrist is able to gather a vast army of many. Nations approach Jerusalem to finally destroy it once and for all. The Anti-Messiah comes against the city of Messiah. And it's at this point, seven years into the shaking of the foundations of the earth, that the invasion begins. The armies invade Jerusalem before the King of Heaven invades the earth. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. At the culmination of the evil invasion of the land of Canaan toward the city of Jerusalem 
Jesus appears in the clouds, coming with the armies of heaven, including believers who trusted in Christ during their lives on the earth. Jesus returns not in the humility of his first coming, but in power and grandeur. The suffering servant is the conquering king. The seed of Abraham who blesses the world is the same seed who defeats all his enemies. The slain lamb is the roaring lion coming to take what is his. Jesus leads his army in total and complete victory over the forces gathered against Jerusalem. He stands upon the Mount of Olives outside the city, splitting it in two, returning at the same location from which he ascended millennia before. And from this location, he advances to wage war on the enemy. The horses of the enemy suffer blindness. An instant rotting plague comes upon the nations that wage war. The skin and the eyes and the tongues all rot in their places as the enemies of God turn on each other in great panic. They slay those they cannot see, from horses they cannot see. Soon the vast army of the Antichrist lies completely slain and decimated before Jesus and the army of heaven. Yet this scene of victory is also a scene of mourning. A mourning of regret and sadness. Because the inhabitants of Jerusalem who resisted Jesus for so long, finally see their Savior and they mourn. These Israelites mourn that they crucified their king, the king that now comes to save the people who had largely rejected him. They mourn and weep bitterly. But it's a mourning that turns to change. A change anticipated by Jeremiah so long ago A change where the nation of God finally enters the new covenant ratified by the blood of their king. Jeremiah had said this before the nation went into exile. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Israel's hardening against Jesus will thaw into weeping, and their weeping will turn to joy, because salvation has come. The teaching of God will be written upon their hearts, and all will know Jesus from the least of them to the greatest. They will see their conquering King, and finally, they will understand. Paul's great anguish for the Jewish people will be resolved in this moment. Instead of a heart of stone, it will have a heart of flesh once again. Instead of the spirit of rebellion, they will have a new spirit of faithfulness. Their king has come. Jerusalem is saved. Israel is saved. 
believers from all nations, from all times are saved. And the next phase of world history begins. The times of refreshing have come. Jesus has returned. He's conquered the nations. And now it's time to rule. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.